Hello, welcome to CART, a podcast about coffee and related topics. My name is Joseph Jenkins, owner and lead educator of Sustained Coffee Company. My name is Alexander. I'm co-owner of Boycott Coffee, and I guess uh, lead and only barista. <laughs> the one and only. Welcome to season three of CART. We are calling this season Sofa Chats. We'll be bringing a guest in and talking to them about topics related to their position in our complex industry. It's hard to believe that we've already produced two seasons of the show, and it's because of you for listening and encouraging us. To kick off the season, the first few episodes we'll be discussing and sitting down with roasters specifically. For today, we have Alexander of Boy Cop Coffee. We actually recorded this episode probably over a month ago at this point, and in the nature of technology, the episode got wiped, so we're, we're giving another go today. <laughs> it'll, yeah, it'll be much better this time around, I'm sure. Yes. Today's title of the episode is Intentionality, Conservation, and Sustainability, and how we put those buzzwords to work, because they're all pretty buzzy, they're all thrown around in every industry. But before we get into today's topic, let's talk about what you drink. Here at Boycott Space, and I brought us a Honduras that I've been brewing at home. It's from Heart Roasters. It is, um, it's pretty interesting. It's the tasting notes on their bag is plum, vanilla, and honey, which I was having a a friendly little disagreement with <laughs> one of our friends, and he was saying that he doesn't think those are are delicate notes, but I think that this coffee specifically is so delicate for a Honduras. A second ago, we pulled it on espresso here at Boycott. We didn't dial it in at all, we just... Yeah, no, it, it just shot out uh, <laughs> pretty aggressively. But it still had some great redeeming quality. It's a solid coffee. Yeah. So even if you screw up on it, it's gonna... It's still gonna be tasty. It's gonna be really good. So it was very. So thanks for bringing that. Yeah, I figured, it was good. figured I'd, I'd see what it tastes like over here. But you've been pulling some something on espresso here the past couple weekends. Could you kind of give us a, a rundown of what that coffee is? Maybe how you've been approaching it? Yeah. So we've been. Um, it's a. It's an Ethiopia. I'm still working on pronunciation, but it's a. I think Chakaso. Chakaso. Hmm. It's actually a traceable variety. It's just a series of numbers. I think we're u- usually used to seeing heirloom varieties, things that are. Hard to uh, pinpoint. So it was nice to find something that was identifiable. Yeah. As far as taste goes, again, I'd, I'd like to hear your perspective on it. But on my end, it's uh, we haven't had an Ethiopia on bar for a while. We just set up this cafe. Um, so we started thinking about foundations and uh, this actual region and the farm we purchased it from or it was the first coffee that I roasted independently. So it was nice to kind of go back to, and Ethiopia obviously has a, you know, a history of being foundational. Definitely. Um, so it just, it was, it was more so poetic, but it's actually working out really well. I was kind of scared of it. But no, I get some nice, a little bit harder taste. There's some juiciness, there's some tartness to it. I'm still, you know, dialing in, but so far the response has been really great yeah um, I don't know what you feel about it no I really enjoyed it I think so I had it last weekend and last weekend it was a lot more line forward had mm-hmm. this kind of rhyminess to it almost this weekend it's a little bit more mellow and maybe it's just the cloudy skies of our Could September be. you know climate does affect espresso pulling I don't understand the chemistry behind that but I know it's true because when it rains and when it changes weather dynamically yeah 
the the science stuff happens. And I'm like, yeah, Whoa. if you find a paper that talks about that science stuff, let me know. I will. I'll, yeah. I'll have to research that because that's something I, I yeah. am curious about. But it it, ta it tastes, you can tell it's the same coffee. You can still tell it's an Ethiopian this weekend, but it's a lot more mellow. Mm -hmm. It's more, it's not as aggressively lime. It's still some of those citrusy notes that you're talking about. Yeah. But I really love the fact that you talked about that it's, it's traceable. It's like one of those coffees it's that are- It's weird. Like yeah. I was very suspicious about it. Sure. Because I'm not used to that. I was discussing with someone last night about how he gave an example of like a restaurant and he mm -hmm. said that a lot of what fine dining does is they sell you on something, they set the mood just right so they could serve you something that's maybe not even that great but because they've told that story behind mm -hmm. it, it has so much more significance. And I was applying that to coffee and I think that's so true when you know like the the full story about a coffee when you know like exactly what farm it came from, exactly what variety it is, and mm -hmm. especially down to the person level where you know maybe whose hands touched it, it just changes changes your outlook on it, I think, in a way that oh, yeah. is unlike anything else. Yeah, I mean, messaging is huge. I try to, you know, I'm bad about it. I don't put really anything on the bag. I mean, there's a QR code on this one. Sure. But it doesn't, I don't really suggest any sort of flavor notes or anything like that. Um, because it is, uh, even though it's, you know, you're giving people really great information that they want to know and that they should know, there is a way, I think, to broadcast it that can be leading, not really manipulative, but, sure. you know, I want you to appreciate this and you know, it gets a little bit more emotional. And so hopefully we can find that balance between sharing these very, very real um, characteristics of a coffee maybe even introducing the people who brought it to life sure and then on our end hopefully present something that has a quality to it yeah a lot of the work is done for us before it even arrives Definitely. so yeah you know how we can share that is always hard yeah but hard but important i would say yeah so that's what you're drinking for today Transitioning to our main discussion today, focusing mainly on this first word of the title, which is intentionality. Something that I've always admired about Alexander is this intentionality that he has. And that's kind of been something that we both share in our coffee journey. And that's kind of down to all, all the small little details. Just like you're saying, like when you're thinking about you as a cafe, as a coffee brand, if you will, Really being intentional with like, okay, what are we serving? Why are we serving you? Can we like just discuss, maybe talk a bit about what are some ways to be intentional? Sure. I mean, the biggest thing I think, I mean, now that you're in this space is, even though it's still bare bones, you know, we're sitting on some temporary seating furniture. Yeah. We're still building out our, our bench and our booth and there's a whole half of this cafe that's empty. Sure. It's painted, <laughs> but it's, it's still bare. But every single part for now, I can identify the reasoning behind it. Yeah. And, it, and it's not just because of aesthetic purposes. There was a lot of very practical reasons that things look the way they do. Um, and that didn't come from me at all. Uh, that was actually my, uh, the co-owners, Avril Mundy and Mercedes Birch, who, you know, we built everything uh, in-house. Abril has a, they both have contracting backgrounds and both have different skill sets. And I kind of just 
support on the back end a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm learning as I go. They're showing me a lot, but what, as far as intentionality goes, you know, I think you're aware, you know, when you, when you look at a space that, oh yeah, a lot of work goes into it. Sure. And you kind of just cut off there. The patience that's involved and how painstaking it is to make a decision yep. and how much time it takes, especially when you are kind of, it's your project. It's sure. not, there's not a client. We are the client. Exactly. And so we're able to go back and forth with one another. Yeah, when it comes to, I guess, that buzzword intentionality, in a physical sense, in this space, um, I had a lot of learning to commit to, a lot of patience to understand what exceptions could be made and what can't be compromised. Right. For instance, countertops. We ran out of money pretty much day one. You know, we were digging into our own personal pockets. Sure. And, you know, we weren't able to get a, any grant for various reasons that will come to light soon but no we were just kind of digging our own pockets and you know the building helped out a lot with a lot of expenses um, but countertops was difficult and I of course just wanted something to slap on yeah I was like let's just go to you know some hardware store put some wood on it it's gonna get damaged anyway I'm gonna yeah. beat it to hell right um, who cares sure and on the flip side Abe and Sadie were very and they were correct in this saying that the coffee isn't the first impression, the space is. Sure. And, you know, people are, they won't know what the quality of your coffee is, but they'll know immediately the quality of your space when they walk in and how much you care. And that's not to say that, you know, other spaces can't bring that, but Definitely. it is something that I think, you know, we wanted to project it in that way. Mm -hmm. that we were very intentional with um, how we designed everything. And so what my cutting board countertop <laughs> became now this very, very beautiful granite slab that we purchased outright, had it fit, um, had amazing people build that. We, we Actually, the only thing that we didn't build in this space were the countertops. And sure. so, but all the way down to baseboards and everything, how the, the way our bar is positioned, the amount of work that we went into spacing everything out, um, what was the purpose of the way that things are oriented, why does our bar look like a Z instead of just a standard box? Sure. And we're dealing in a space that warrants some geometric maneuvering. Mm -hmm. um, and also we wanted to be completely hospitable to not just customers, but also future staff. Definitely. Our spacing behind the bar and leading up into the bar um, is pretty wide. Like I'm a heavier set individual. I'm sure I will hire those who have all different types of body shapes and needs. Being able to be comfortable where you work is huge. Definitely. And the, our height of the bar is lower than most. Yeah. Uh, we compromised our, the amount of equipment we could store underneath. Mm -hmm. We can't get any fridge that we want. Right. Which sucks. <laughs> but um, it's comfortable. You're yeah. not, you know, we're reducing strain when people are tamping or when people are reaching for things. Sure. Um, so that's space. Intentionality behind coffee is equally more complicated but more familiar. Definitely. It does come down to purchasing. Mm -hmm. Who we purchase from. I do have relationships with producers. I think that just comes with yeah. working in this way for so long. But I still use U.S. importers. Mm -hmm. It's a mixture of being nervous to have a direct relationship as right. well as we're just not financially able. Yeah. We could buy a bag of coffee from somebody and then 
you know, not, we wouldn't be able to talk with them at the volume that we're handling for another yeah. six months. And that's not really a relationship that I think would warrant success for any of us. Sure. And so working with importers is kind of, that's the level we're at right now. Yeah. And so we have to focus on what their value systems are. Mm -hmm. And so even though it comes at a price yep. and our margins are razor thin here, <laughs> sure, um, because we also adjust our price to be accessible yeah. for the Memphis market. Yeah. Um, it's tough. Uh, we limit the amount of opportunity, I think. Mm -hmm. But it still works out. Coffee's still good. Right. Um, we still feel pretty good about it. We're very comfortable knowing that there's not a perfect ethical way to do anything. So that's that's just a brief... No, I... <laughs> <laughs> I rambled, I'm sorry. No, I think you covered like, Some of several it. highlights. <laughs> I think there's there's several things that I would like to kind of touch on as you said just that yeah. I really like. One was just that you having two other individuals, Abe and Mercedes, mm -hmm. to kind of like bounce stuff off of and people who kind of help you like. Sometimes it bounces, sometimes it just falls to the ground. Sure. You know, but we're, yeah. we're pretty good about it. Yeah, I think you really need those people. I think we also need people who are not always just our yes man beside us, you know, because <laughs> otherwise we end up doing things that maybe seem right in our own eyes, mm -hmm. but in the broader perspective, we're blind to, and that's just mm -hmm. inevitable. I mean, we, yeah. you know, we're humans individually, and we have our own individual perspectives about things that are from the way that we've, you know, experienced our own selves, but other people have that same thing, and they bring dynamic things to the mm -hmm. table. I think for Sustain, we have that same thing with just like, with Dante, with Jason, with Reagan, with all the people, and Isaac, all the people who are kind of in the day-to-day -day conversations of like, what are we doing? How are we doing it? If, if it wasn't for them, I'd probably be doing a lot of things differently and maybe things that are not as fulfilling to what we're trying to achieve as, mm -hmm. you know, just people in general or just as a coffee brand. So I really, I appreciate that. I think that's a huge encouraging factor for anyone who is doing anything. Like it doesn't matter if it's coffee or just any other kind of thing that are trying to start. It's like you need people around you who are able to like present different perspectives. It's really important. Yeah, and I think the other end of that is you know what do you do with those perspectives sure and because I can you know I can be a good listener right you know my feedback is atrocious or you know there's room for everyone to speak but it goes nowhere I think having a system in place with any sort of team being able to instill some level of expectations sure not really based on performance. Mm -hmm. um, I think you need to understand the, not just the capabilities of the people you're with, but also their capacity mm -hmm. and their desires. We here at Boycott, each one of us has a full-time job. Mm -hmm. um, eventually <laughs> I, I won't, yeah, I'll uh, you know, be fully here. Whether or not it provides an income, I don't know, but it's just something we have to do. But our expectations have, constantly been on this weird pendulum where it's just back and forth it changes every now like we have to really really communicate what our thresholds for time and any sort of labor that we commit to where sure. we're at and i think being open to not disappointment but those expectations changing um, whether it's you know a build-out space, whether it's a coffee program, whether it's a design uh, project, really listening and figuring figuring out 
you know, what do you care about most, I guess? Do you care about the health of your team? Do you care about this person who's, you know, working their ass off yeah. to make something happen and their health? Or do you just care about a project that's going to be in and out and you know, X amount of time. Right. And so for me, that took a long time to really grasp. Mm -hmm. I mean, this pandemic sucks. Sure. Uh, it's a literal plague. We've lost a lot of loved ones, but I've been able to gain a better understanding of how I look at the things I push on others yeah. and time and right. just how we can navigate a project like this yeah. in a way that's respectful of one another and also just... Just be lenient, I think, yeah. with things like this. Right. Um, but anyway, that's all I got. Yeah. yeah. That's great. And the other thing that I was, I was thinking of was the intentionality behind the space. Oh, um, yeah. Because, yeah, you're right. When you walk in, you're like, hmm, this is like an interesting shape for a cafe. It's short and long. It's a shotgun <laughs> space. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking really of not just the present day, you behind the bar, but the future potential for other people to be behind the bar and how can I make them comfortable. Mm -hmm. Things that you just learned by, you know... <laughs> being behind a bar in other situations throughout yeah. your journey. Butt rubs up against a counter or you run around a corner too sharp and hit your groin, like, it can suck. Sure. That's something that is not being discussed as much, but is equally as important as all the other things that we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think the health of your team really is reflective of how you can build out your space and how you can like ensure that they're going to be comfortable, like you're saying. So I think that's, yeah. I super appreciate that. And I'm sure that future people are to come who are, inevitably going to be in your space will also appreciate your intention back now. I so, hope so. Yeah. And if not, you know, those things might change. But, right. You know. Yeah. I think the the motive and the purity is there. <laughs> which kind of leads us to something that I was talking about with Reagan recently, which was last weekend. I, I noticed that in a lot of different cities, you know, be it Nashville or be it Chattanooga, and if we're talking about Tennessee specifically, but I think this probably exists on a national level and maybe an international level of how there's always this one shop in a said city that tends to be the city that maybe all the other people who work in cafes go to. And I don't really know, it's not like it's a spoken rule, it's just like you go into this cafe and all of a sudden you're seeing, you're like, hey, you work here, hey, you work here. And we were noticing, like, boycott really seems to be that. And right now, at least, and at least to us, and you know, maybe you disagree, but I think, I think it's like you were, we were talking before recording, and it's because it's in that early stages. There's that, you know, quote, purity, you know, there's no bad blood. I think that's great. And that's something that I don't foresee changing. I think something that I've said before to you directly is because like you care about people and you care about how people feel and you're not just so concerned with, with just pure margin. You're not so concerned with just pure like branding. All those things are, and are good and helpful to you as like a brand. But at the end of the day, that's, I, don't, I don't think that's what you, Alexander, care about. I think it's, and that's pretty clear for us to see. That's one of the reasons why, like, I've always been so supportive of you. And I think other people, if you were to ask them and dialogue with them, would have the same perspective, I, I dare say. So I think that's, that's really important. I don't know. I just wanted to state that. So. Well, that's huge. Um, and thank you. Yeah, I don't, you know, it's a big compliment. I don't know, you know, how, where I'm at <laughs> with agreeing on it or not. <laughs> You know, I, but it is a huge compliment. I don't know. I, you know, we are new. Sure. I think the, because from my perspective, what I'm saying is we do get a lot of coffee professionals mm -hmm. in here. And a lot of restaurant professionals in here. A lot of hospitality. 
I'm seeing just so much generosity mm-hmm. of being in the space, and I think it's people who see maybe they rec- maybe it's someone like them, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a barista who now owns a shop. Yeah, which that's weird. It is. Uh, that doesn't happen a lot. No, and it feels it does feel good. Yeah, like to be like, hey, it, it can work, you know? And you know, so I think we're getting a lot of support. Mm-hmm. Um, from you know, coffee people. Yeah, it feels great, and yeah, hopefully it just it does become just like a a, a place. Yeah, like that where people can kind of escape and you know the whole you know not no bad blood. It's you know we don't have employees, <laughs> sure. So there's not really anyone to you know it's just me. Yeah. So it's like if I'm venting about the space. <laughs> Then people are just going to be more supportive. <laughs> so it's like, like, oh well, that sucks. Let me, you know, let's visit more. And I see a lot of cafes who care tremendously about their staff, especially this past year. I've shown yeah, that definitely. And you know, just whether it's you know paying people who are you know out for either a sickness or whatever. Um, or not laying off people, or promising them a job when they get back. Like sure. Hearing the, you know, you know, but there are a lot of you know horrible stories that we've definitely that we have to hear about and that are horribly unfortunate. Hopefully, you know, we've become a little bit more active yeah. in engaging with that. But um, I don't know. It's just like um, it feels good to be part of that generosity, um, and so. Yeah, I mean, if this is a place where some people see it as kind of a getaway, as yeah. a you know a place where you know this is a a barista's coffee shop, mm-hmm. then hell yeah, that's 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 awesome. Yeah. Um, so thanks. <laughs> yeah. I think what we're seeing here, both with with your space and just with the general coffee narrative, if you will, is that it's changing. It's that it's becoming something that's maybe better than it was, and I think maybe like maybe it's taken a pandemic. Maybe it's taken some some life's you know suffering and some some awful things happening to make us really realize and kind of have this click in our brain of oh this is what matters this is the things that these are the things that don't matter and I think we just kind of keep coming back to it but it's just that the fact that the people who are working for you the people who are and that that doesn't include just people who are working for you directly and that you're paying like an employer but also people who work for you who are farmers and who are people who are faces that you maybe never get to see. I'm personally seeing a trend that's encouraging for me to see of of us just as a general community caring more and more and more about every single individual who's in the, the line of things. I think we have to kind of be forgiving with ourselves and understanding that, but it doesn't mean that we don't try and we don't, right. we don't aim for, for those things. So I think that's great. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CART. Do you have a topic that you would like to have covered on the show? Or perhaps you have thoughts about the specific episode that you would like to chime in on? You can. We can be reached at several places. On Instagram, 901SustainCoffee. By email, 901SustainCoffee at gmail.com. You can also send a voice message directly by visiting anchor.fm slash 901CART. You'll see a button to send your voice message where we can include it on the show. There are a lot of great resources on our website, too. Head over to 901sustainedcoffee.com for brew guides, recommended resources, and a wealth of other content. No thought or opinion is insignificant to us. Please don't hesitate to let your voice be heard. Until next time.